0: We're in the life of Christ according to John Mark in the New Testament. Mark chapter 1, where you've turned, you and me. But first, let's read the scripture. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. The baptism and testing of Jesus. Next week will be the temptation and testing of Jesus. This week it's the baptism of Jesus. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven being opened, torn open, and the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, descending on Him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are My Son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. The short version of information about the baptism of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark, as I said, written by John Mark, who was a disciple but not an apostle. But his gospel, the shortest of all four, the one most translated today into various languages, and the one that's called the Action Gospel Because in it, Jesus is more than ever a man of action. Someone has described this as the movie gospel. Not photos, but movie, moving, action gospel. Short, powerful. The most repeated word in the gospel of Mark is immediately. Immediately, he did this. Immediately he went there. Forty-one times the word immediately is used by Mark to describe the actions of Jesus. That word immediately is only used twelve times altogether in Matthew, Luke, and John. So you see how this gospel is a powerful gospel. Now, if John Mark, and his name is called that in Acts 12, we have John the Baptist here, we have John Mark here, He's called Mark here in this case, but he was called John Mark. If he was not an apostle, did he ever see Jesus? Well, yes, he did. He knew him. He heard him. He saw him, but he was not an apostle. He did not travel with him. He did not suffer with him. He wasn't tested with him. But Simon Peter was. and Simon Peter is the man who led John Mark to Christ. 1 Peter 5 says that John Mark was his son in the faith. Do you have any sons or daughters in the faith that you've led to Christ? Well, you can imagine this was going on between those two. They had a kindred spirit. And so John Mark became the interpreter for Simon Peter. John Mark wrote down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Simon Peter lived out. That's the Gospel of Mark. John, Mark, and Simon Peter working together as a team to bring the words that the Holy Spirit gave them to report the life of Christ. So we're in this series from the Gospel of Mark, since it's an action gospel. I named it this. Heads up! Here comes Jesus Christ, heads up, man of action's coming, heads up, or you'll miss him. He's coming, he's talking, he's preaching, he's healing, heads up, heads up. Same thing is true for us today, to keep our heads up. So that's the series. Now today's topic, by the way, this topic is on your gateway, uh, inside your gateway guide on the Gateway Life Notes. And um, I encourage you to take notes, and I'm going to be giving you the information you need to complete that guideline page, the Life Notes page, so you won't be vacant mentally later when you try to remember what I said. You will remember it if you look at it. The best memory, and to prevent your brain going on a vacation, is to write it down, jot it down. And we jot down things that are important to us. We remember things that are important to us. And maybe you say you know it and you'll remember it, but we know better. So I'm just encouraging you to do your best to take a few notes in the the way you see fit. So the topic today is the puzzling baptism of Jesus Christ explained. Why is it puzzling and why should it be explained? Because if you don't understand the puzzle, you don't understand Christianity. That's just the way it is. If you don't understand the reason Jesus was baptized, then you don't understand Christianity. And you and I should be like John the Baptist, very puzzled by it. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So here's what we're talking about today. The puzzling baptism of Jesus Christ explains. You might be thinking, I didn't even know there was anything to explain. Well, that's the reason I'm bringing this message today, because there needs to be an explanation. So, we're going to find out that Jesus himself, in his baptism, had a defining moment, a vision of influence for his life. Not only that, there came that time of decision for Christ at age 30. Age 30 is when he began his ministry. Did you know that? That at age 30 he began his ministry? And then we'll learn a human connection that Jesus had with the hundreds, even thousands of people whom he had been seeing baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. How many hundreds or thousands were there the day he was baptized? We don't know. Also, we're going to see today the Father's approval of Jesus, because without His Father's approval, Jesus might as well have gone back to the carpenter shop and built some more chairs and fixed some more furniture that were cracked or broken, because without His Father's approval, He had no ministry whatsoever. And then the Spirit's anointing, the Holy Spirit's anointing, So all of these things that you see named there are part of understanding and answering the puzzle of the baptism of Jesus. Without this bit of knowledge, you can't understand what Christianity really means and understand the true impact of being a Christian yourself. And believe me, today's teaching impacts you. You've got to solve a puzzle about yourself. You will need to make some decisions today, a moment of decision, a connection, an approval, an anointing. In order for this to happen, you give yourself to God in this. So let's get the scene. See if you can see this with me, okay? We're at the Jordan River. It's crowded. You can smell the people. You're bumping up against them. Hundreds of them are wet. The Gospel of Mark is wet. The pages could even drip, and I wouldn't be surprised. Baptism here, baptism there, baptized, 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 baptized by immersion. People coming out with their hair wet, the face wet, the clothes wet. Other people waiting to go in. John the Baptist, the baptizer, that's what he was called. The baptizer. The baptizer. <clears throat> And when they came, then Jesus one day, at age 30, came walking to the Jordan. As soon as John the Baptist saw him, he got very excited. And when Jesus came up to him and said he wanted to be baptized, John suddenly was seriously puzzled. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait just a minute. I've been preaching a baptism of repentance and confession of sins. You mean to tell me that you, you're coming to confess your sins? You're coming in repentance? Well, how can can that be? Because I've been telling people that the Messiah would be sinless. He would be God's Son. He would be pure, holy, the Messiah, the anticipated one. Yet, here you stand in the water with me. And you want me to baptize you with the baptism of repentance? Well, does that mean that Jesus did sin after all? Did Jesus have things to repent of? Does that ever puzzle you? What about those you're trying to witness to, perhaps? Anybody ever put this up in your face? Why did Jesus get baptized? Can you tell me that? Your Bible says He went there with the man who was baptizing people who repented and confessed their sins. Yet we know that Jesus was the sinless Son of God. He was tempted with every sin and yet without sin. So what was going on here? That's a puzzle. That's a question mark. Now in Mark, we're not given the answer. So you could read Mark all day long and not get the answer. (laughs) Kind of frustrating, isn't it? So where is the answer? Well, it's in the book of Matthew. Turn there, Matthew 3. Here we'll get the answer to the puzzling question, why Jesus was baptized, Matthew chapter 3. This is Matthew's account of the baptism of Jesus, a further explanation, and um, you'll see so many good things. By the way, there's so much exposition of these Gospels, and I have read so much and learned so much over the years um, that it's like filling up your cup and trying to share it with others, but you have only have a few minutes to do it. Uh, you might be sitting there looking and thinking about something you've read about this before or reading something on your phone even or thinking about something you've read. But if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to give you what the Bible Here's what the Bible tells us. Verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now, here's the answer. Jesus replied, let it be so now. In other words, you're going to baptize me. Don't resist it. Don't push back. Don't get confounded and don't get confused. Let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this. For what reason? To fulfill what? How much righteousness? All of it. In other words, Christ was saying, I'm going to be baptized here because I've come to fulfill the law, I've come to fulfill grace. I've come to fulfill everything that needs to be fulfilled, every Old Testament, every New Testament, everything considered. So Jesus came to this defining moment when he was baptized at age 30. When a person becomes a Christian, that becomes your defining moment. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the place and time of your defining moment when you became a Christian? or maybe the weeks or months or even a year afterwards where you look back and said, that was my defining moment. I was redefined the day I was saved. I was redefined the day I gave my life to Christ. And that defining moment is so critical to you because it gives you a vision of influence for your life. Suddenly you have a new vision of who you are, who you were meant to be, and who you can become in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for Christ, it was His defining moment, His time of decision. He made that decision in front of thousands of people. You know, that's the reason we don't teach there's any such thing as a private baptism. It's to be a public definition and demonstration of following Christ. So He made this defining moment in this time of decision. But then he also did something else about righteousness. When Jesus fulfilled all righteousness, by being baptized with all those people around him, he was making a human connection, a human identification with all the unrighteous. Let me say it again. He was identifying with all the unrighteous who had come there to be baptized because they had confessed their sins. They had repented. And after they repented and confessed or confessed and repented, then they were baptized. The baptizing did not, baptizing did not make them righteous. They were righteous because they confessed to God and repented to God. <coughs> and then they were baptized to show it. So he made this connection with them because he wanted them to know that he identified with their testing and their trials. Because he was tempted just like they were, but he remained righteous. But he was identifying with them. Now, why is that important to you and me? Well, take your Bible one more time, would you? He turned to Hebrews chapter 4. Look at this, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, and in this passage... We'll look at verse 14 as well. Here's the reason you must understand this connection, this identification with you and me as sinners. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 4. Now those of you here in the audience know that I've had a cold and a sore throat. Those watching by Facebook don't. So I'm just putting you on notice that I do. So just be ready. Hmm. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. And the literal Greek word there is sympathize. That's the Greek word, sympathize. We get our English word directly from it, sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in a few ways like we are. Is that what it says? No. He has been tempted in how many ways? Every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then... Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, how does that help you? Jesus was tempted, but he didn't fall. But he knows what it means to be tempted. The fear, the sweat, the anxiety, the pressure, the tension, the devil, the world conscience so he defeated sin but now all of a sudden you know that Jesus Christ sympathizes with you listen to me Christian maybe you don't pray as much as you should because you don't understand our sympathizer maybe you don't get it there's a sympathizer who's that that's Jesus Who's done had every temptation and thought and feeling that you have and more, without being giving in giving into it, and he wants you to come to him at the throne of grace, and pray. Pray more. Pray more fervently. Pray more wisely. Pray with more education from the Bible about why you should even pray. He sympathizes. <coughs> The Bible word for this, or I should say the theological word for this, is vicarious. You ever heard that word vicarious? Say it with me out loud. Vicarious. Now what does that mean? It means that somebody else feels the same thing you do. They have the capacity to be affected by whatever affects you. The vicarious substitutionary atonement of Jesus was in full sway when Christ was on the cross, feeling every sin you had sinned and paying the penalty for it. And yet, even in our prayers to him today, he vicariously sympathizes with you and me when we pray. He feels what you feel. He knows what you know. He has a sense and is affected with the same feelings and fears and requests that you are. Now you say, well, how can He do that? Because He's the Son of God. And because God made a way for you to pray under the sympathy of the Lord. By the way, Christian, this is one of the reasons that you are so blessed because when you become a Christian... suddenly, and for the rest of your life, you will have sympathy. If you're in touch with Jesus, you will have sympathy for lost people. You know why? Because you used to feel the way they feel right now. You used to think the way they think right now. You used to have the guilt they have right now. You used to have all the complexes, setbacks, mental, emotional stress they had, that they have. You used to have them. And you can identify with them because you sympathize with lost people. This is what makes a great evangelistic Christian. Some Christians don't ever get this. They've never been to the prayer of the throne of grace to pray They've never understood the sympathetic ministry of Jesus. And they've never been sympathetic toward lost people. They think that's something preachers preach about all the time. But don't understand what it means. (coughs) It's also the reason we Christians think of each other. Because we are sympathetic toward our brothers and sisters. We feel their pains. We pray for them in their sicknesses. We understand their temptations. We know they're a new person with a new life. But we are in sympathy with each other. And I don't mean that in some kind of weak, wimpy way. I mean in a strong, positive, binding, spiritual way. That's how we help each other. My wife and I are very sympathetic toward one another in marriage. <clears throat> That's why we've been married so long. We're still sympathetic. We never want to lose that. Sympathetic. Do you have sympathy for lost people? Can you feel what they feel because you used to feel that way yourself? Now, if you do have that sympathetic feeling toward lost people when you get a chance, what do you do about it? Do you try to intervene like Jesus would have you to do and influence them by your words? By your actions, by the look on your face, by giving them some information, (coughs) an invitation perhaps. (coughs) Excuse me, how sympathetic are you? So, (coughs) take the sympathy and live sympathetically. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be sympathetic. May God bless it and multiply it. Thank you, Facebook viewers, for watching, and I ask you to pass this on, would you? Help us to get the message out. I'll bring the other portion of this message as we go along in the Gospel of Mark. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here today. Thank our Facebook viewers, and may the good word get out. Amen.